Welcome to Yes the Stripper Podcast, a podcast for all sex workers. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the clubs and all the amazing things us sex workers do. I'm so inspired and in awe with each and every one of you, and I'm always excited for what's going to be shared next. I'm your stripper queen from the North, Onyx, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. I am your host, Onyx, all the way from Canada. And today's guest is all the way from the Windy City, USA. That's right, Chicago. <laughs> they are a burlesque performer, teacher, model, recently crowned Miss Burlesque North America 2020, headliner of the 2019 Ohio Burlesque Festival, producer of their very own Shimmy House Party in Chicago, and so much more, holy goals. Let's welcome everybody, Shimmy LaRue, to the podcast. Say hello. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me, Onyx. I am so excited to be here and to chat with you today. Yay, so awesome to have you here. But before we get started, tell us the pronouns you go by. I'm she, her. Okay, that's all right. Me too. Perfect. So the titles, so many of them. I, I didn't list them all. I know you got so many more accolades. You're internationally renowned. Um, I loved watching you perform for Miss Burlesque North America, even though that was a competition. You performed that seamlessly. Your musicality was, ah, I love how you carry yourself, um, the way you represent your culture and your costumes, your gowns. Um, yeah, you're just inspiring to a baby burlesker like myself. So how does it feel to be such a role model to so many Black women out there? You know, I, I feel like I just want to continue in the legacy of people who have come before me. And so I, if I feel like if I'm doing my part, I'm just continuing on in a tradition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think about some of your older legends like Tony Elling and Gina Dell and Miss Topsy and Lottie the Body, then newer performers like Pro Noir, Egypt Black Nile, Jeez Louise, Jezebel Thunder, mm -hmm. you know, and then folks who are a little bit newer, like folks like in my category, and I just feel like it's just my responsibility to continue continue that tradition on. So I like that. I like that. I read on your website that you're a teacher. What is your teaching background? What are you teaching folks? So my background, actually, part of my day job for years was as a, a consultant and teacher. So teaching has just been in my blood since day one. Mm -hmm. um, but I teach a few different workshops and classes. I teach a lot of the business of burlesque. Because I notice a lot of performers who come in are really good at dance. They're really good at choreography. They're really good at all of those things. But they're not great at like keeping their books, mm -hmm. building a website, <laughs> or understanding kind of how taxes work, or, or understanding kind of the business parts of burlesque. Yes. So some of that's also my background too in tech. So I teach a lot of business classes. Um, I do teach a couple of movement classes. One of my favorite is the art of doing nothing. And no. it is a class on stillness. No. So many performers when they're performing always want to put like everything into a five, six, seven, eight. And it's like, talking about that. That's hilarious. stop moving so much. Stop moving no. so much. Trust me, let them drink you in for a second. You're going to die. You're going to die in like two right. and a half. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we don't want anyone to pass out on the ground because yes. you put in 57 <laughs> steps in 30 seconds. Stop it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Oh, my God. So COVID happened. 
we are almost finished 2021 in like less than a hundred days. Yikes. Um, (laughs) you're welcome for that reality check um what did you get up to during lockdowns how did you survive are you back working and touring again Uh, and yes um (laughs) i didn't do a lot during covid I, i had a number of friends and fellow performers who really transitioned hard into doing digital shows and that kind of thing i i did a couple but I'm really a performer that like needs and wants that in in person kind of vibe. Like I really need that. So I just didn't do very many. I did a couple of shows, um, but I really spent a lot of the time kind of not in the performance space. I I was building my business outside of performing, um, doing a lot of that work, uh, building up kind of my own skill sets, like getting back into the very basics of burlesque, like how do you walk? How do you move your hands? Like all of those things to kind of come back into the performance space itself. Um, I'm now just starting to get back on the road and wow, it is such a different experience getting back on the road now. It is so weird. It's so weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I used to be I used to be a road warrior. So I used to be on the road yep. all the time. And now getting back in, it's like, oh my God, I forgot how all of this works. <laughs> oh, I gotta remember how this works again. But yes, I am I am back to the performing. I'm back to being out on the road. Um, my bookings are opening up for 2022. So, you know, folks are looking yeah. up to book at you, girl. 2022 is starting to look nice and nice and open. So yeah, yeah, but that's kind of where I am now. I'm just kind of getting myself back into it. Awesome, awesome. Um, how do you prepare yourself for your shows mentally and, and competitions? What's your mindset like? Oh, um, I am, I'm, I'm a person who really likes a good structure. So mm-hmm. when it comes, and this is actually gonna sound ironic what I'm about to say, but I'm a person who really likes a good structure. And then when I perform, I don't like a structure at all. So <laughs> I, when like building an act or building a show, I will go through and I'll actually have like spreadsheets of this is the song I'm doing. Here's like the framework of the song. Here are the beats I want to hit. Here's where I want to hit those. Here's where the costume is going to work from here. Yes. And I'll go through all of that work, all of that work, all of that work. And then when it comes time to actually perform, the only thing that I keep in my head is where the beats are. Yes. Else, I just kind of throw it all out from there because it's like, cause it's, it's in your, it's in your body at that yes. point. And so you can then just start to feel it and start to kind of manipulate the act. Like I have one act like this week I did one act in three different venues and I did that same act three different ways. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the venue, depending on what the audience was giving yeah. me, depending on like the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the it's the same act, same costume. I knew I was going to hit the same beats, yeah. but all of the moments within it, I was like, ah, let's try something different here. Oh, they're not giving me what I want here. Or, oh, this stage is big and weird. So yeah, it, it's very structured and then not structured at all. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh-huh. So I don't know what Shimmy's house party is all about, but woman, it sounds like I need an invitation to that. <laughs> yes, yes, we we are getting it back up and running again. We're actually looking for a new venue. Uh, Shimmy's house party is a tribute to funk, soul, and R and B. Okay, yes. And so it is my favorite. It's my favorite kind of music, mm-hmm. and frankly, in a lot of more traditional burlesque, we don't see a lot of people dancing to that kind of music, mm. and so. I love it. I want to see it. And so like, that's my only, that's my only, uh, 
guardrails or guidelines for it is that it has to be funk, soul, and R&B. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I want you to bring something that makes you move, something that you really love, something that moves your spirit. That's what I okay. want. And we've had people perform all sorts of crazy things. And so I'm excited to get a new venue up and running. And once we do, trust me, you'll get that invite. Come on down. Ah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that yellow jumper shimmy shake dress. Mm, that's <laughs> gorgeous. And you were dancing the funks with that, eh? Yeah. Yes. 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 That's awesome. And, and my favorite kind of music. So you'll see me dancing to that more than more than anything else, just because that's the music that really gets me going. Oh, yeah. It makes your body. I feel like it makes anybody's bodies moves, too. Right. I feel like um, what set did I do? I did a James Brown set. And my partner was like, well, there was a bunch of white people in the crowd. They loved it. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, your birthday just passed. Happy belated birthday. How was Thank that? You. What did you do? It was so wonderful. I, I felt like I needed to make up for last year. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I had like a little small, like little thing with a couple of friends outside. And this year, I wanted to do something just really for myself. So okay. I went to a uh, Mineral Springs Spa Resort in Santa Fe. Mm. And I spent the week there just soaking in mineral pools and yeah. eating, you know, food at weird hours of the day and sleeping. <laughs> in and out. Like it was it was great to not have to do anything for a week. It was really nice just hanging out. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good birthday to spend just kind of relaxed and chill. Good for you. That's amazing. (laughs) So I want to go back and I want to talk about what made you want to do burlesque and how long you've been burlesquing for. Um, so, oh my gosh, actually, I also just celebrated my burlesque anniversary a couple of days ago. I always say at the end of the month. Um, So I have been performing for seven years at this point. Holy cow, it's been seven years. (laughs) Seven years, okay. Um, So yeah, so I've been performing for seven years and it actually started by um, tacos and walking by a door. Tacos, yes. But then again, so many stories in my life usually surround tacos. So it's it's, it's a thing. Um, So a a former friend and I, we were uh, eating at a restaurant having tacos and we were incredibly full. And it's like, all right, let's walk some of this off. So we started kind of walking around the neighborhood and we saw this door with all of these like performers on it. And everyone was like really beautiful and really kind of awesome looking and it said learn burlesque and we were like what 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 so we looked it up and we we're like well what is this and they had teaser class like little taster class i think it was like three bucks and it was here come try burlesque for an hour and we were like okay sure we'll try the class see what that looks like i took the class and i was hooked i was absolutely hooked loved everything about it like the movement and the musicality mm-hmm. and the storytelling and the co- like i loved everything about it and so I trained for a year and a half and then started performing out and about in the community and then did that. And I did all sorts of random shows. I was like those comics where it was like doing open mic. I like I did random comedy shows, random theater shows. It was like any place that would hire me to do a thing. I was like, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yes. And so that, that was about another year or two or so. And then it started taking off from there. And, and it's, been, it's been a whirlwind ever since. 
That's awesome. So where do you go to train for something like that? Because you said you trained for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at the time, Chicago had two different schools of burlesque. Okay. So we actually had, had two schools to choose from. Awesome. Um, right now, we're kind of in a transition point. So we, we are, again, because of the pandemic, we're kind of rebooting a school now. But uh, yeah, so we actually had burlesque schools. And that that's one thing that I know that we have in the States. And I, I think uh, that there are a few in Canada also. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, but that's, I went to school. That's awesome. I, I had no idea there was burlesque schools out there. And honestly, like the, the, the Canada and the U S are completely different. Cause I was going to ask like, if you've ever been up this way at all for any performances and whatnot, cause I've heard Montreal is like the spot to be in Canada. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and there are some amazing, especially amazing black burlesque performers. Yeah. There. So, um, Foxy Lexi, who is, uh, a Miss Viva Las, a former Miss Viva Las Vegas, um, is out there. And then, uh, Zyra Lee Vanity, who is, uh, also a winner of the Panama International Burlesque Festival is out there now. Uh, she used to be in Toronto, but she's now in Montreal. Um, so yeah, so Montreal is kind of like the hottest spot for burlesque. But, um, ironically, my first trip to Canada was to perform at the uh, Calgary Burlesque Festival in 2017. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was my first time in Canada. And, and I, I don't think that they're running that festival any longer, but that was my first trip. It was actually really funny. When I got there, it reminded me so much of growing up from home because I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so being in Calgary, I was like, oh my God, this is like being in Houston, but cold. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so it was kind of like all, all thing there. Um, I've also performed <laughs> in Toronto, but I am definitely looking to to get to Canada as, as soon as I can. It's, it's that's definitely a country I'd love to spend more time in. Oh, yay. We'd love to have you here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so from what I've gathered for information, because I definitely had to like dive into the research of this, um, burlesque started back into the, in the 1950s, and it was mostly BIPOC performers. Um, what was the scene like when you first started compared to now in your perspective? Um. So burlesque has gone through so many ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. So yes, definitely started in, well, it became popular again in the, the, the 50s and 60s. And there were actually two different kinds of burlesque. So there's like the burlesque that we know about. And there's also shake dancing, um, mm, like which that. was, which was, yeah, definitely more. And that was definitely more BIPOC. It was definitely more black focused. It was definitely more kind of bump and grind, kind of groove and kind of shake and burlesque. Um, B.B. Bardot out of Washington, D.C. is an amazing burlesque historian. And she does a lot of her work around shake dancing. And so she's an amazing resource for for that information. Um, Then it kind of went underground a little while in the 80s and 90s, then came back again in the early 2000s and has kind of been back ever since. And so when I started... It was still very, very white, mm-hmm. very thin, very, people thought about it more like the movie burlesque. And it's like, that's actually not burlesque. Like that's, that's not burlesque. Um, I think now it is becoming browner. It's becoming more queer. It's becoming more size inclusive. Um, but I think that it's now a matter of training the audience Right. to realize that's what burlesque actually is. And it's not just skinny white women who are in very expensive costumes. Right. I like that. 
besides um well Gigi Holiday, she's um on our podcast and she's our historian here. I don't know yes. if you know her or not. Yes, yes, but, I uh, love Gigi. I love her so much. She's so amazing. Honest oh. to God, to have the two of you educate me at the same time would be just perfect. <laughs> yeah, she, she's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so we were chatting about some stuff, and besides black women getting lesser pay, she mentioned that producers or scouts would go to black burlesque bars and watch those performers dance and copy it or steal their moves to teach their white performers at the white clubs like holy crap i didn't realize it was like a period like that where it was just an all-white cast um is this where the term neo burlesque comes from uh yes and no so so those those are actually kind of slight two slightly different things and for the first part of your question that still happens today Ah! (laughs) happens where you have white performers who are watching what black and uh latinx performers do in the way that we move and then we'll try to mimic it and then act as if oh well this is just kind of my culture too this is kind of how i grew up like no honey you're you're from kansas what are you talking about (laughs) you don't these are not your people so it still happens it's not being called out a little bit more but it's still Mm -hmm. happening um, Neil Burlesque it talks about the burlesque revival that happened in like the early 2000s, like late 90s or late 90s, 2000s. Okay, that's you. where that Neil Burlesque came from. And that's where you had people like Joe Weldon, Juliette Atlas Muse, um, even folks like Pro Noir, who came up and brought different dance styles back into burlesque. That's where you started to see more of club culture come back into burlesque. So it became more theatrical again, more club-like again. It was a little less of like the Betty Page, Dita Von Teese kind of classic bump and grind and more dancing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where kind of neo-burlesque comes from. And so now when talking about burlesque performers, you have kind of two camps. You have classic and neo-burlesque. So when you talk about burlesque performing, those are kind of the two different camps. And the classic again is more of that 50s, 60s, panel skirt, tribute bra kind of classic jazz, blues kind of vibe. Neo-burlesque is a little bit of everything else. That's where you'll get more of the fringe. That's where you'll get more of the floor work. That's where you'll get different costumes and styles and more storytelling. So yeah, that's really kind of the difference between the two. Okay, okay. I like that. Um, So another episode on our podcast, I was listening to Anne Davies speak with Samantha Sun. And Samantha Sun was telling us that some venues wanted to book her to do a geisha set, even though she's not Japanese, but to some white people, she'll fit the script. Or if she doesn't do it, they'll just hire a white person. Um, Do you find it hard for folks to just book you on your skill instead of your ethnicity? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I and I say that with pause because I, I think that I have been very fortunate to be in environments where people are hiring me because of my skill. Mm-hmm. However, I know, and I also know the experience of other performers of color, there is a lot, and right now, especially in the larger burlesque community, there is a lot of tokenism that still happens. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, well, we need a Black person, or we need an Asian person, or we need a Latina person. So they hire somebody who kind of fits that bill. They don't necessarily hire a diverse group of people 
of all ranges and colors and sizes who are just very good at what they do, it still feels like it's a checklist mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, well, we have, we have to have a black. So let's, let's hire Shem. Let's hire Shem because we have to have a black. And uh, that happens all over. It happens yeah. all over. And yeah. there's a lot of white producers, especially for some of the bigger shows who will do it. And then it'll be the first ones to get online and to curl or whatever and be like, well, see, we're hiring for diversity. Look, we, we hired a black person. We're mm-hmm. diverse. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god um do you find that there's a certain level of fetishizing with black burlesque performers and is it at all that bad if it's on your terms absolutely and no um so yes there's absolutely fetishizing black performers um everything from a couple of years ago i'd say maybe four or five years ago when more and more performers started twerking in their acts. Mm-hmm. They almost expected that of all black performers. Mm-hmm. So for a while, like so many black performers were like, oh no, I'm doing classic now. I'm going to do straight classic because you're not going to get me on this stage looking at me being like, oh, so girl, you going to twerk? Booty shake. I have so much more than that. Like, yes. I can drop it, but that's not all I can do. I can be really elegant too. Thank you very kindly. But um, so yeah, so there's absolutely the, fetish, the fetishizing. There's absolutely the desire for an urban perspective for black performers. Like, and, and, and here's where like, I think it's, it's okay if it's on your terms. Like for example, again, I love R&B, funk, soul, hip hop. Like I love the music itself. That's not the only music I dance to. So mm-hmm. don't expect that to be the only music that I dance to. And so if you see me dancing to rock, if you see me dancing to metal, if you see me dancing to country, don't act surprised. I listen to that too. <laughs> so don't, don't act surprised. Um, I think that we... We as performers of color and especially black performers don't always get the space and the freedom to live in a whole bunch of different spaces. We're kind of pigeonholed, mm-hmm. um, but it, I can and do use it to my advantage because if I know that that is what you are expecting of me, I like to turn it on its head. <laughs> you know, I, I, li- I like to kind of make it interesting. Like for example, I have a, I have a little mermaid act and it is a mashup of Under the Sea and Miss New Booty. <laughs> the fact is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> but, it's, but it is a booty act. Oh. But, the, but turning it on its head is that I've mixed in the Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So yeah, it's, it's, it's rap, but it's also Disney. <laughs> oh yeah so so the answer is yes there's <laughs> tons of fetishization but yes it also is more than okay when you do it on your terms awesome awesome um i just want to reiterate on what you're saying about how it's all, not all about the shock value but don't be surprised i'm dancing to rock music mm-hmm. um yeah i learned a lot about myself doing this research and i noticed that maybe subconsciously I, cause I never danced to rap music at all when I first started stripping one, because it wasn't really allowed in the white clubs I was at. And two, I mean, they, they expected it. So, and I never shook my ass or any of that. So I'm wondering if it was because if it was, I didn't want to give them that shock value 
or if it was because of comments like that's ratchet or that's too black that like really kind of whatever the word I'm looking for, pushed, it, pushed my culture away pretty much from the scene. Um, so how did you stay true to yourself? And were you ever approached by people to, that wanted to change who you are? Um, I'll answer the second part first. Yes, there's always going to be people who want to change who you are. And they'll mm-hmm. say things like, well, this venue is looking for a certain type of performer or we're looking for a certain type of act or this is an upscale venue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I know what you mean by that. I, I know what you're saying for that. Um, and then you have to make the choice. It's like, how much do you want to play the game or not play the game? Mm-hmm. And how much do you want to be subversive or not? Um, and so that means anything from maybe you have a classic actor to or a more traditional act or two that, that that's the act that you do for that producer in that venue. Maybe that's just what you do. But if you want to subvert it, and, and here's where I think I sometimes have evil in my spirit. Um, I like to subvert things. And so one of my acts is a very classic act, but it's to rock music by a black band. Ooh, okay. So, so when you taking notes, yeah. So so when you see it, you're like, wow, like because it is a classic boa act. Mm. You know, it's a classic boa gum fringe act. Um, actually, boa gown glove act, and it's to live in color. And so it's a black rock band. I love live in color. Living in color. Live in color. Live in color. Yeah. Like love rears its ugly head. That is the song. <laughs> what? Next to that too. Yep. That's, that's oh, I love it. They're and good. It, it, it is. It is a classic act. It is a classic act all the way through. And so I can do that act anywhere, but <sighs> the subversion comes in. It's a black band. Yeah. I was just introduced to them like literally two months ago, two months ago from my indigenous neighbor, who's like 60 something and neighbors here are pretty close. And he's like, you got to dance to this. And it's like, fuck. Yeah, I do. That's yeah, so it, awesome. You mentioned that. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, uh-huh. so that's, and that's, if I were to give recommendations to new performers coming up, whether you're uh, a club stripper or burlesque performer, cabaret, whatever, find ways of bringing in your culture, but you can do it in a way that goes under the table. So it's a little bit kind of a, it's a little bit of a thumb in your nose at folks. It's like, sure, you want me to do rock or you want me to do country? Why don't I do it from an artist from my culture? Mm. So there. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so how do we help folks make conscious decisions about the status quo, especially for the next generation to come? So I'm going to start with people of color. Um, one, change is hard. And so don't get tired and don't get frustrated. Um, that whiteness is always going to want to pull itself back to where it is. And every time you push, every time you push the ball forward, they're going to want to push the ball back. Yeah. And so just know that that, that is the process and you have to just continue to keep pushing the ball forward and it's going to get tiring. It's going to get exhausting. Mm-hmm. You're going to get very, very frustrated. Just know that that's the process. Okay. Look, look to those in your community for help and support. Don't be afraid to reach out to others in your community. Even if, 
you don't know them as well or you think you might have beef with them, what, reach out to other of those in your community because we're all going through the same thing and we all need to rely on each other. So that's for people of color. For white people, I need y'all to stop faking the funk. Y'all know better. Y'all know what to do. The time has passed for being like, well, I don't know how to bring in more folks. I don't know how to bring in more diverse cast. I don't know how to do this. If you know how to build a new show, if you know how to market to your audience, you know how to bring in diversity. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do it or not is the question. Because mm-hmm. if you want to do it, you will. And making a diverse cast isn't hiring one Black person mm-hmm. and saying we're diverse. Isn't, one, isn't hiring a performer who is larger than a size four and now we're diverse. That's not diversity. Make it make it actually reflect the world around you. There are tons of really, really good performers that are not skinny white women who will blow your socks off and who will be amazing for your audiences and make you and them a ton of money. Go Mm -hmm. find the good performers. And if you don't know who they are, ask around, go find them. So yeah, so those are my my two big things that for people of color, this is going to take a while. Get support in your own community. And for white folks, Y'all know that y'all know what to do. Go do something. Vouch for us. Vouch for us. Email the clubs. Tell the managers. Harass them until they get the performers that they need to have in their clubs. Exactly. Exactly. And don't, do not feel, do not get comfortable in silence. And for white folks, don't get comfortable in saying, well, I just don't know what to do. Or it's just really hard. Or I just, I just don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Advocate for folks. Mm-hmm. Go, go stand up. Speak up. Be willing. Be sometimes willing to give up your spot so somebody else can have an opportunity. There's plenty of opportunity and space for everybody. Let other folks have options, too, so that we can all grow together. And we can all make money together. Right. Awesome. I like that. All right, let's get into the thick of it because I posted this on my Instagram and that kind of blew up. Let's talk about burlesque performers and sex work. Is it the same? Is it not the same? Is burlesque stripping? Is it not stripping? There seems to be like this huge divide between burlesque performers and strippers where burlesque performers look down on strippers or think they're better than us or think that they, they want nothing to do with it pretty much. They're secluding themselves as their own little niche group. What are your thoughts? Shimmy, drop us some knowledge. <laughs> oh, all right. So this, is, this is what I have thought about a lot, a lot. So let me start by saying, I do not believe burlesque is, is uh, sex work. I think burlesque is sex adjacent work. It, it, it's sexy work. I don't think it is sex work. Um, and I don't believe it's sex work because it is easy to come on, come off. There isn't, there isn't as much of a customer service aspect to it as say stripping or full service sex work. There, there is more, there is more customer interaction that you have to do. Now that's not to say that burlesque isn't customer service. I actually say it all the time that, I make money as a burlesque performer because I think about it like a stripper. Mm -hmm. I am there to work. It's not just, oh, I'm there to be in a beautiful costume and do a thing and then leave, which a lot of burlesque performers think. They think of it more like theater. 
I think about it like work. So for me, it starts with the prep before the show. I'm walking around, letting folks know what's going on, letting them see what a costume looks like, just so that they have a little bit of anticipation. You mm-hmm. then you do your act. And then here's where the real money comes in. After the show, you go and talk to folks. Mm-hmm. You take pictures. You're walking around. You might do a little tassel twirl for folks. You're doing all of that as part of the hustle to start to, again, build your brand, build more fans, make more money. So in that aspect, it is more sexy work. But again, as a performer, I can do that for 15, 20 minutes. I'm not there for like an eight hour shift. <laughs> and I think that I think that's the difference. Yeah. As, as a burlesque performer, I can decide. And if I don't want to do it that night, I can decide I don't want to do it. So I can just do my act, get my stuff and go. Now, if I were at a club, I can't just be like, I don't, you know what? I did a stage set. I don't, I don't feel like doing any of this tonight. Right. I, you know what? I'm out. Thank you. <laughs> you don't, you don't get that. You're here to work your damn shift. So you work yeah. your damn shift. Yeah. And so I think that tends to fall more into the sex work kind of aspect because that is fucking work. Yeah. And as a burlesque performer, you don't have to deal as much with people rejecting you all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with somebody being like, uh, no, not you. You don't have to deal with someone trying to consistently monopolize your time. It's easy for you to get up and be like, I'm out, done, have a good night. I want to go home and eat some pizza. So I, I think I think that it's, it's definitely different. Now, with the difference between burlesque and stripping, um, and I don't, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but this is my take on it. I am so blooming sick and tired of burlesque performers thinking they're better than strippers. I'm so tired of it. It is the most offensive thing to me because all of those classic burlesque performers in the 50s and 60s that y'all idolized, they were strippers. That's what they did. That's what stripping was. So all of that cutesy, oh my God, I just love watching this performer and I love doing this. You're watching strippers. You're watching the history of strippers. The, the neo burlesque scene that came back, because a lot of strippers started doing burlesque again. They started integrating new forms of movement into classic burlesque. Mm. Strippers. We are, we are cousins of the same tree. And because we're cousins of the same tree, I find it incredibly offensive for burlesque performers to try to separate themselves from club strippers. Mm. Frankly, all the things that y'all are stealing now, all the floor work, all the platform heels, mm-hmm. all the clacks, all the little TikToks that everyone's doing poorly, like yeah. all of those things. Oh, uh, honey, it's, it's awful out there. Uh, all of those things uh, that you're stealing all the people who are now trying to trying to add a little pole flair to what they're doing, those are all things that you're stealing from club strippers. Mm-hmm. How dare you? How dare you steal from club strippers and then act like you're better than everyone else? Mm-hmm. Like to me, to me, the difference is like whenever anyone asks, well, what's what's the difference between burlesque and club stripping? I was like, club strippers actually make money. <laughs> burlesque performers make we walk around thinking we're hot shit, but club strippers actually make money. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, my gosh, I, 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 I love, love going in and not having to worry about, oh my God, I have this fucking $500 costume that I now have to worry about something. Whereas, you know, I can go do a set and I'm like, this is great. This is <laughs> but it's, it's, 
it is fruits from the same tree. And I need for us to be mindful and respect the fact that it's fruits from the same tree. Awesome. Uh, Do you find like all this projection strives from porphobia, culture conditioning, even jealousy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I get very passionate about this. I love topic. it. I love it. Let's um, tangent away. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. There, there is such respectability built into burlesque and such respectability of, oh, I'm not like those performers. <laughs> or, oh, I'm better than those performers. Are you? What, what makes you so much better? What makes you so much different? At you... These are, these are all choices that we've made to express our bodies, express ourselves, mm-hmm. be able to make money, be able to enjoy what we do. How dare you? How, how dare you? So yes, I absolutely believe that it is absolutely rooted in horophobia, absolutely rooted in misogyny. Mm-hmm. I think it's rooted in racism. I think it's rooted in respectability. I think it's rooted in patriarchy. And so it's all of those things of ways of separating yourself so that you're not like the others. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're still stealing and doing everything that you see those others do that you hate so much. So make, make it make sense. Make it make sense. <laughs> yeah. Why do people hate sluts so much? I don't understand. <laughs> they, they, they hate sluts, but yet want to be them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it, it makes no sense to me. I'm like, just, just be honest, be honest with yourselves, be honest with your history. And I will say a lot of, a lot of burlesques. And I, I really, really, really appreciate the fact that you are doing the work, learning the history of burlesque and stripping and how they intertwine with each other. There are so many performers out there that have no idea. I want to learn more. Like, honestly, God, like Gigi sparked that in me. And, and she, the first story she told me, I was just like floored. I was like, I need to learn more. So, yeah. 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 And, 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 but that already puts you on a whole different path yeah. than a ton of other performers who have no sense of history, no sense of culture, no sense of context. And then when they talk trash about performers, it's like, you don't know where you come from. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 you don't you don't know what this actually is. You just think it's a fun, cute way to walk around in a cute costume. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no, 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 no. It's time for some rapid fire Q and A. Let's begin the four for one. What is the balance between comedy and burlesque in your act and in your life? <laughs> yeah, because you a funny bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so- I, I take my work very seriously. <laughs> I do not take myself seriously at all. I don't, I don't at all. I, I love to tell people all the time, I take my clothes off in public to music for fun and profit. How do I not love that? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you not love it? Like, y'all, I get to get naked in public and people give me money for this. You yeah. know what that is? <laughs> Y'all, I get to be the thing that all of you normies talk about at work the next day. Y'all are welcome. Yes. <laughs> to quickly answer your question, Q 
humor isn't a part of everything I do in life. Humor is a part of it's a part of all of my acts. It's a part of everything from my facial expressions to how I interact with audience members to even the weird things that I put in my costumes. I just like to surprise and delight and to add humor is something I think is deeply foundational, even in a very serious act. All of that stuff has still an essence of humor in it because that that is important to me. Yes, awesome. What is your favorite costume and why? Mm. Actually, I think it is current. It's my yellow fringe costume. <laughs> that, that might be my favorite one right now. So I want to I want to shout out my costumer, Serena Starr. She's a former Miss Nude World uh, from Lowry Creatives, and so she has made most of my costumes. Like she made the one that I won MBNA with. Uh, she's made this yellow French costume. I she's made most of my my costumes, and because she is a former dancer and former Miss New World, she also loves a good fun reveal. And so <laughs> when we're building something new, half of the time we're joking with how can we make the most ridiculous reveal in this costume? Oh, smart though! I like that. And all so, about the reveal. Exactly, it's, it's about <laughs> the reveal, and it's about an unexpected unexpected reveal, and it's about a reveal where you're like, the hell. <laughs> I think that that's my favorite one. I also love that costume because it's pants. Mm-hmm. Or like for burlesque performers, because I, I was, as I was telling Serena, I was like, at some point, I'm really tired of wearing dresses all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, and who says that to dance burlesque, it has to be in a gown or a dress. Mm-hmm. And she was like, right. So those are pants. And the fun reveal is that they're not just pants. I feel like I'm giving it away, but I don't care. They're not ah! just pants. They're pants that tear off into shorts. So I'm dancing in shorts. <laughs> the best thing ever. Like the like tearaways? Yeah. Oh, I'm so pumped to see the show. <laughs> the tearaways, they come up into shorts. It's great. Great. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Um, if you had your own podcast, what would you call it? Oh. Oh. Oh, this is a good question. I think I would call it something like. So I was thinking. <laughs> I, I think I think I'd call it something like that, or okay. or you're like you know <laughs> that I think I'd call it something like that. <laughs> you know, all right, I love it. Oh my god! And last one, what's the most ridiculous fact that you know? Ooh, the most ridiculous fact. Um, I actually learned this last night on TikTok, which should tell you everything you need to know right now um that rhinoceroses or rhinoceri whatever are as aggressive as they are because they're blind so they can't tell the difference of what's a predator and what's safe so they charge at everything because they can't see i didn't know that and i'm like that makes a lot of sense (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's why they're so aggressive is because they can't see and so their way of protecting themselves is just to charge and attack at everything that question is going to be on jeopardy just you watch (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh i wanted to go back and i wanted to ask you what your heritage is oh yeah so i am caribbean okay yeah my mom my mom is from the bahamas and my dad is from dominica the island not the republic so yeah so I am I am first generation American, but my parents are both Caribbean. Uh, they're both immigrants. And so, yeah, I was born and raised in Texas. 
Oh, wow. That's so awesome. And just so like, what do you call that contrast? (laughs) It, It was quite an adventure growing up with like, Super duper Caribbean parents and then growing up in Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to ask you, like, where did you get your Miss Burlesque North America gown? Because it's got that beautiful print. And I was like, is that Nigerian? Because I was like, oh, in love with it. So Serena made the dress for me. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's exceptional. She's absolutely exceptional. And so it was so funny after telling her that I won, she was like, well, now you need a gown. And I was <laughs> like, And I I told her specifically, it's like, I wanted to honor being a black performer. So I wanted to honor having like a traditional black print or traditional African print. And so Chicago has an amazing, um, uh, an amazing like fabric store kind of, we have a few different really great fabric stores in the city. And so we went down and found this beautiful fabric. And I was like, this, this is what I want to wear to represent culture and heritage and doing it for the people. And so this was that, that was what I wanted to do. And so I think I'm going to start integrating more of that. I love it. it. It's again, it's a way of subverting the culture where it's like, I'm going to give you a classic gown, but it's going to be an African print. Yes. That's what I love. How you, like I said, you represent yourself well and your culture, you wear your frill, like the crown that it is. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, um, are there any last minute thoughts you want to give anyone tips who are listening or um yeah yeah um don't take yourself so freaking seriously (laughs) again like we're having like yes definitely spend more time actually two things one spend more time in the studio practicing learn some basic (laughs) skills okay learn learn how to walk learn how to move learn how to use a fan and a boa learn how to do all your stuff properly But once you do, go have fun. Mm -hmm. What we do is a lot of fun. Like we could be construction workers breaking our bodies, but we're out there dancing and having fun and talking to people. And yes, it is a lot of work and it gets incredibly tiring and exhausting sometimes, but it's also so much fun, Mm y'all. It's a good time. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And also be able to have really great stories. So when you're old and gray, you can be that scandalous person in the old folks' home. Like, <laughs> be that person. So just have fun, but actually get in the studio and practice. I swear, if I see more burlesque performers who don't know how to do basic things, like walk in heels. Oh, my God. Ah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, do you want to list off any uh, places we can find you, like your tags, plug, plug, plug away? Yes. So the best place to find what I am doing next and where I am is Instagram. And that's at Shimmy LaRue. Um, Yeah, that's usually where I spend the most of my time. Um, I also will post where I am in Chicago or where I am traveling. That's usually where that'll happen. My website is ShimmyLaRue.com. Branding is incredibly important. Own your name on everything. So it's easy to remember. Um, I am going to start doing some more traveling in the next couple of months. And when that happens, I will let folks know. Um, and then also, if you'd love to see me in your town or at your club, let me know, reach out and uh, we'll see what we can do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and educating myself and anyone who was listening that got some amazing information out of that. I love you so much for that. It was so great.
Thank you. And Onyx, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate what you are doing. I appreciate what you have done when it comes to sex workers' rights like that. (laughs) I am just honored and floored to see the kind of work that you've done and to bring these issues to light. Like it, it really is incredibly, incredibly impressive. And so I just wanted to make sure I was on record saying thank you for the work that you are doing. So much coming through. Thank you. Oh, amazing. Just before we go, I just wanted to remind people that this is now a listener funded podcast. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing, what you're learning, like what you see, definitely head on over to our website. Yes, the stripperpodcast.com. Look for those donation buttons and give us your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, the best, that's the best way to show you care. Cold, yes. cold, hard cash. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much, Shimmy. Bye, everyone. thanks for listening everyone this episode has been a production with period podcast network find out more on instagram at period podcast network be sure to follow us on instagram too at yes a stripper podcast and you can find us on twitter at yes a stripper pod please like subscribe and rate yes a stripper podcast here on youtube see you next week